Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hi, hi, you spooky little babies. Uh, Sarah here. Um, I know we normally need to get right into it, but I just wanted to flag up that this is the very last episode um, of the current series of The Fear. Oh, I know. Uh, it's been it's been lush. It's been fabulous. It's been swell. But the uh, swelling's gone down now. And uh, I'm going to take a little break, <laughs> record some new episodes, and um, uh, come back to you soonish let's keep it vague uh sometime in the new year i'd imagine um but what a fabulous episode to end on um vicky pepperdine i love her she's amazing you know from getting on and camping and all of the comedy shows that you love um and she's also the co-creator of the podcast dear joan and jerica if you haven't listened to that already oh you are you're in for a world of gorgeousness uh it's so funny and disgusting and filthy and it's um vicky and julia davis um as agony aunts answering people's letters and oh my god it's like Derek and clive meets savage love meets just two women being appalling in a kitchen and um, i love it very much we recorded this um interview uh back in the summer so it was before the second series came out if you're Looking for other podcasts to listen to while you're on a break, you could go through the back catalogues of The Fear. There's like four series to listen to. Um, or check out some of the other fine shows on the Great Big Owl Network. There's loads. Um, but for now, uh, thanks so much for listening. I uh, really enjoyed doing these. Um, I love talking to people who I think are funny and brilliant about um, what they're scared of. Uh, it's been very cathartic. It's been daft. It's been, um, you know, even even in the bits where I have to edit it and I go, God, I hate my own voice. And then go, oh, God, you hate your own voice. Huh? What an interesting observation there, Sarah. Even then, I still really love making these. So um, uh, if you've enjoyed them, yeah, uh, review it somewhere. Anyway, um, have a fabulous uh, regular Christmas and try not to be dicks to each other um, and I'll see you soon for the next series of The Fear but for now the Queen Vicky Pepperdine thank you Hello and welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name's Sarah Morgan. Hello. My guest this episode is uh, writer and actor Vicky Pepperdine. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi. How are you, Vicky? I'm very well. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank very you. pleased to be here. Oh, so you were telling me that you've, um, you're in the middle of writing something. I am, yes. So I'm very sorry for distracting you. That's absolutely fine. No, it's good to, it's good to leave the house, actually, <laughs> is the truth. Is that your process? It kind of is, yeah. I mean, actually, I go away sometimes. I go on sort of, if I can afford to, I go go to stay in secluded places and uh, that is 
marvellous. That's a dream. Totally recommend that if anyone can and wants to. Um, but yeah, so that's the that's that's the sort of that helps because I've got lots of things at home that distract me, including dogs and uh, very grown up children. Ah, very grown up children. Yeah, right. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, it, I mean writing at home is an absolute nightmare because there's so many distractions and yet I'm not one of those like I'm going to fold my sock drawer or anything like that no the distractions no, are, no 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 I don't wash up there's nothing like that no no it's uh, it's just more things like I don't know it's just hard to get my head into focus when I know that someone might arrive home or a lovely dog might bark to get some attention or help in inverted commas uh you know it's just that sort of thing or someone at the door with a you know, an Amazon parcel that you didn't know was coming. Sure, exactly. Well, that can take an hour at <laughs> that least. Yeah. Really yeah. Can. Oh God, yeah. well, you've yeah. broken my train of thought. <laughs> oh no! Exactly. Um, yeah, tell me about your writing process. Well, and um, what are you working of, on? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm working on um, uh, two things at the mm-hmm. moment. One is for a. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but I'm going to say it and then sure. you can edit it out. Yeah, yeah, tell me data. Like yeah. Yeah. So um, two things. One is a radio pilot for TV, which is this thing that they do at the BBC sometimes where they you record a pilot for a show that goes out on Radio 2 and then the hope is that it then goes on to be a TV show. Ah, I've heard of this, um, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. so that's, uh, that's something I've been working on uh, in the last year, actually. Wow. Um, called Always June, about a difficult landlady and her <laughs> difficult tenants um, and then and then the other thing I'm working on is uh, a show about a community a group of people living in community which is essentially a very patriarchal community and it's how they manage that life interesting yeah. and are you writing these on your own um, I've been developing Always June with Morgana Robinson oh, fantastic. and then I'm developing the Brotherhood of the deplorable tongues. <laughs> <laughs> Working okay. title. No, uh, you although win. I love it. Yeah. Um, with Sean Gibson and Rosie Caballero. Although I'm writing that one on my own. Um, so that's yeah. So 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 yes. A lot of sitting in rooms and and working on laptops and getting very very stiff neck from the process. Mm. Yeah. So what I love to do is do improv and kind of playing around with people yeah. and then going off and kind of basically structuring, distilling, honing. Uh, endlessly and um, yeah yeah and then trying to sort of make it more like my favorite tv shows if I possibly oh, that's really can. interesting yeah because I because yeah. I, I, you I, I did what I've always wanted to ask you like, what your who your role models are who do you have sort of oh uh, like, well in I've your got head? kind of loads I mean I've I've sort of I began with people like French and Saunders and Victoria Wood oh. and Wood and Walters and that kind of genius world yeah. Um, and and then I kind of, as everyone has really, got into a lot of the American TV brilliance. I mean, I always loved Friends, actually, just to say, but I sort of now more recently, in, in recent years, have discovered things like, as everyone has, Better Things and Big Little Lies mm. and all those brilliant shows that are now coming out um, for, that we're getting from America. And that sort of crossover that I think, hope, is happening a little bit where we're all going, oh, I like that, and influences influencing each other potentially across the yeah across the oceans um well it's yeah. so much easier to have kind of voices in your head that you are influenced by that are sort of 
paving the way through the rain, paving the way through the rainforest. You don't pave through no, a rainforest. No, you do. You're doing that, but that's bad for the planet. That really is. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that's that's very. That's, that's, that's not you're growing, you at all. You're growing palm oil. And you're basically, <laughs> killing ruining. orangutans for yeah. the sake of art. Yeah, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Macheteing through the rainforest exactly. is what I meant. Just people. Who okay. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the kind. Yeah, of... Yeah, but all not knocking it aside with sticks, yeah. and it stays intact. You know, just gentle stick knocking. But yes, absolutely. Yeah. Kind of, kind of taking on um, other. Uh, I don't know, it's not exactly other voices, but it's sort of, what what do I love? Why do I love it? And what in me is the equivalent that I can try and put into what my work is, if you see what I mean? Absolutely. Well, it's interesting as well that the, the people you've listed are all basically pretty much all female-led. Oh, yeah. Led, yeah, And that's totally. amazing because they, I think they try and present it like there's a very much a one-in, one-out policy with things with women in. Oh, yes. And it's become our job for some reason to go... No, that's not true. Yeah. There's six seats there, exactly. and one of them's got girl chair written on it. But that doesn't mean that's true. We totally. are, that all those seats are ours. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. stop trying to make us sort of compete with each other. Completely. And and because actually it terrifies them when we work together. I know, I know. It's really interesting, isn't it? I think it's, it's something that I really, really hope is cha- changing now. Mm. And I hear that at Edinburgh, which I'm unfortunately I can't get to this year, mm. there are just amazing young women and older women doing amazing work. So that's exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's 30% this year, Is which it? doesn't sound like loads, but it's actually the highest they've ever had, 30% of performers are female. That's amazing. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it means things are changing. And also, I think the big shift has been, I think a lot of shows in the last couple of years have been men and women trying to process the Me Too movement and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, how men sort of going, how can I be a better feminist? And women going yeah. like, here's all the terrible things that happened to me. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think this year, the shift with the shows has been that the men are still doing good work and yeah. talking about yeah, yeah. how to, you know, how to process this stuff from their point of view. And the women have just gone, well, we've done that now, bye. And yeah, they're all doing like yeah. really yeah. silly, funny stuff. Funny stuff. Yeah, they're just really great. enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's, that seems to be... And that's really good because I think the other thing that's been I've been very conscious of throughout my sort of working life is the confidence. I hate the word confidence, mm. actually, because I think it's sort of a slightly meaningless word. But what I mean is the kind of... Um, well, maybe it's bravery, maybe yeah. it's fear uh, it's... <laughs> of of women actually putting their work out there and how much harder it is, I believe, or has been harder for women to have the courage to put their voices out there uh, without being fearful of being, um, you know, being told that they're not good enough. Yeah. And that sort of validation that boys get from or have got historically over the, you know, the, the from very, very early years of being in kindergarten <laughs> of kind of, yes, Billy, you, you're great. And oh, that's a pretty dress. Jane, um, of that kind of, you know, difficulty of where is my voice? What is my voice? What have I got to say that's interesting? And how do I do it? Mm. Is something that I hope and believe is more emergent with uh, young women nowadays. Absolutely. Well, I would, you know, I, I think as well, talking about the, the, you know, there being the girl chair. And if you have one girl in a room, that's never, no, they're never going to have, they're, they're going to be in charge of all women all yes, the time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. then what happens if you get two women in a room and they talk to each other, you end up sort of unleashing this repressed box yeah, of yeah, which yeah. There's, there's sort of all these things that we've not been talking about and we think no one will be interested in us That's talking it. about That's because it. it's our experience and it's not the experience of the other people in yeah, the room yeah. and then you end up with the the nightmare fuel that is Joan and Jerrica <laughs> when you get two yeah. women in a room who oh, have God. none of those boundaries who have <laughs> none of those I'm such a massive fan as oh, you know right. um, I've worked with Vicky before and uh, we were on a, like a family radio four show like really nice really family really good really well 
well intentioned and there were kids and all I wanted to do was lean over to Vicky every time because it, it was just like whisper Joan and Jerrica things to mm-hmm. you. Like I've a, seen quotes. Like a super fan just going like literal gingivitis. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I couldn't. And it was so, but you, yeah, so can, yeah, can we talk about Joan and Jerrica? How did that come about? Well, basically that is a show that came about from Julia Davis and me sitting in her kitchen and doing some improvisation. So um, we didn't know what it was going to be. We just had these characters in our heads and um, I think Julia wrote a problem uh, as our first foray Mm -hmm. and we started to answer it and then I think we gradually thought, I think this might be something that's a goer. But really, we did it for fun, and we did it completely without any intention of broadcast, really, actually. It was sort of just generating material initially. Um, And then, you know, somewhere down the line, maybe after a good few months, uh, Julia said, why don't we do... Why don't we put this into a podcast? Mm. And I said, I don't know what podcasts are, Hmm. really, because they were sort of... I don't know, they were sort of on the edge of... Certainly my generation's sort of... um, radar I think that they were sort of we knew they happened but we weren't really listening to them Mm. and I think that in the last couple of years that's massively massively changed so that too many bloody podcasts I'd say (laughs) which ones can we cut let's do a cull but no not at all but um, anyway don't go there don't go there but um, you know a friend of mine from university uh, emailed me and said oh my god uh, my daughter's just recommended my 20 year old daughter has Mm. recommended a podcast to me and it's Dear Jonah Jerrica and (gasps) she's so thrilled that I know you so I just thought I'd get in touch so that to me is just joyous Mm. because I sort of feel like if young women like what old women have to say (laughs) that's super cool (laughs) I think it's so oh god the um so, so it's the two of you sitting in Julia's kitchen yeah. and and I love that it didn't come from like let's try and come up with a what's selling nowadays things with women in let's do a re you just Absolutely. you made each other laugh we just made each other laugh essentially astonishing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it's yeah you're two agony aunts and, and what's brilliant about it is the characters are just they've got such a clear worldview, which is the opposite of all the sort of Oh God! The, the sort of like careful feminist women helping women, all the kind of stuff that we're all so careful about all the time at the moment. And you're just horrible. Yeah, I mean, we are horrible. It, it's, we it, are how horrible. much fun is it? It's it is fun. I won't <laughs> lie. It is fun. It's fun, and it, I think because you do it somewhere private, it becomes it becomes um, much easier. There's no sense of I must be good. I must try really hard. You just mm. sort of do it, uh, and then you can edit it if you want to. Yeah. Course, how much you know, editing is involved? Um, well, quite a lot of ums are taken out. So right. You can probably hear mm-hmm. from me, unless Sarah's kindly taken <laughs> I'll out. I'll probably take out ums, some ums. Some ums, some ahs. Um, <laughs> yeah, bits of editing, but essentially just a big old uh, improvisational uh, love fest from our point of view. Oh, God. And you. T- so how often do you uh, make each other break? Because th- that, that's my favourite thing in it, is when I can feel a giggle being held yeah, back. It kind of varies, really. It sort of depends what the content is and... The audacity ometer uh, of what somebody's saying, you know, and I th- I think we just try and let go of any sense of reservations mm. or is that to bridge too far, which is a bit dangerous to be honest, because you do think I could really offend people, mm. but but actually we don't really talk about it very much, and actually I'm sort of even now feeling a little bit nervous about talking about it because you sort of don't want to analyse it too much because then if you analyse it you start to examine it and if you examine it you start to potentially um, 
take it apart, and if you take it apart, you're you're lost. Yes. So I guess that's, I will not make you pull guess, this apart. This mind? beautiful thing. Thank no, you. I just want to. I mean, I just the, my favorite. I just the, my favorite break because I was I was li- I was listening to it on the way in, is not because one of you said something like appalling or outrageous, of which there are thousands of amazing moments in the show where you are gasping and laughing on the bus and all the good stuff but my favourite one is when Julia Davis just pronounces you're talking about the sexy godson who was obviously a recurring Mm. character Mm. Mm. what I love is that you said all this and you're looking embarrassed but I'm just talking (laughs) about embarrassed. I'm not ashamed to say it do not be ashamed he's he I mean he sounds like a fine young man Mm. Uh, there's a sexy godson recurring character and it's uh, you're talking about some photos that have been sent in of him and Julia just goes and there he is in the musical Grease (laughs) so stupid and there's no laugh on mic I can just feel you both stopping and there's like a bubble in your throat (laughs) of going uh, what's that musical again (laughs) oh it's so ridiculous it's wonderful I love it so thank you so much Um, and there is something just about the just having a mic running and knowing you've got that freedom to edit that means you can yeah you can say what you want is there is I mean I'm not going to use words like brave and (laughs) stuff like that but is there are there bits when you like other people you wouldn't want to listen to it, or you're embarrassed if you find out they listen to it? Um, there's always a moment when somebody says, oh, "I've heard your podcast," where you think, "Uh oh, like are they judging me differently, seeing me differently?" Mm. And then I've had to kind of let go of that a little bit. It's when it's sort of mums of your sons, yes, that, <laughs> that say they've heard it. There's always a moment of, "Oh, okay." Do they think this is funny, or do they think this is inappropriate? For a, yeah. a woman of my age, with <sighs> with a family, you know, but, but it's, it's so appropriate because you'll find it's like there's always a, a, tra- a trick of trying to talk about stuff that we really care about that no one else talks about, things like sex and depression and those kind of things. And mm. if you just did a big old TED talk where you and Julia sat there and talked very earnestly about these things, I'd love it. Yeah, but yeah. I imagine it would have a huge toll on you emotionally. Maybe, maybe. But to put it all in the character exactly. of your daughter Cardinal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or Julia talking about uh, burying her, uh, not sure what to do with her mum's funeral or whether she should bury her or have her exploded, <laughs> as this is the modern trend these days. You're talking about this stuff. In a, anyway, I'm, as you say, let's not pick it to pieces because I would be devastated if you didn't do more. Oh, you, you don't, you don't we do more. We're about to launch a new series. Oh, I'm so Well, yeah, let's talk about, yeah, let's actually, let's go straight on to your choices, I think, yeah. um, because I think that what was brilliant about some of the stuff you chose, there seems to be a kind of theme across all of them. I don't know if you were aware. Uh, no, good, you tell very, me. I like it when there's clearly a lot, like things are linked together. So we're probably going to fly all over the place with yeah, these a yeah. bit, I think, which is um, they're very visceral and okay. they're very based in the body. Okay. And very... Um, which I think a lot of your, a lot of Joan and Derricka is obviously, yes. and I think a lot of your sense of humour naturally yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were writing Getting On, a yeah. very medical base. Yes. Um, and yes. did you do loads of research for that? Oh, we did t- tons of research, and that was sort of terrifying for me because, we'll, as we'll come on to later, mm. my sort of biggest fear is based around sort of medical testing mm. and medical intervention, and it's something that's really quite deep seated and which I've really had to kind of work on actually mm. to sort of just not disappear in down a plug hole. But um uh both my parents worked in the NHS and, ah. and um my my dad worked at Queen Mary's Hospital in Roehampton and they had 
I think a lot of this was I used to we I used to go and see him at work, and he would take us down corridors to the canteen. Me and my sister Jane, mm. and um, you would sort of see glimpses at very early age of quite scary things in wards oh, and gosh. people hooked up to things. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. And then the second thing was that we were invited every year to the what was called at that point because they called these things things like this at that uh, in that moment in time <laughs> the League of Pity Party. <laughs> And the League of Pity Christmas, it was the League of Pity, and they had a Christmas party every year. And it was full of really ill children. Oh and children with little bald heads undergoing chemo and, you know, really awful. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm a nervous giggler. No, no, no. Yeah. I know you don't think it's funny. It's no, funny. no, I was, I'm laughing at the horror it's, of that it's name. It's pretty horrific. Yeah, so, yeah. But my mum particularly was very much a, oh, well, you know, um, she, was, she was very sort of straightforward and didn't seem to be freaked by anything like that mm. and kind of seemed to almost think it was just good schooling to mm. be around people with quite severe disabilities. Mm. And of course, I actually agree with her now. Yeah. But I think the difficulty for me then was, oh, I'm going to catch something or I'm going to, oh, children die and that's really scary. And of course they do. Mm. Of course they do. And it is something that we need to be really aware of in this world. But at the same time, I think because it was sort of unstructured and there was no talking about it afterwards. Mm. It was just going in, um, sitting at a table with these kids and then um, getting a, a sort of very tiny plastic gift from a very peculiar-looking Father Christmas in the corner um, and then going home. And so I, I sort of think a lot of it stems from that being somebody with a, a, a big imagination that that then takes you into all sorts of worlds where you've sort of seen something and then you accept and build, which is, of course... A great thing for improvising, but quite a difficult thing oh, for so for life. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the, so. the limit, the, your, the imagination. Yeah, oh yeah. my god. Yeah. The, speaking of which, that so I, obviously before we record, I asked my guests to sort of send me what they think we might talk about, and you sent me this poem that you said this is a super creepy poem. Yeah. Uh, that my mum used to read me when I was a child, and I'd never come across no. this. And I was wondering, would, I've got it here. Would you mind reading it yeah, for me? Absolutely. Because this yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so this, I don't know what, we had this book and it was in there with a super creepy sort of, to my mind, picture accompanying it. And it goes like this. One misty, moisty morning when cloudy was the weather, I chanced to meet an old man clothed all in leather. He began to compliment and I began to grin. How'd you do? And how'd you do? And how'd you do again? I mean, there's a lot in there, isn't there? What about there? that? Guys, for little t little girls, misty, misty, moisty, misty, moisty morning. This might be where cloudy weather. So yeah. it's not a lovely sunny day. You're not no. meeting a sort of cheery old chap in a cap uh, on a sunny day. Meeting a man dressed in leather, a leather-clad man. You can't see him properly. It's misty and moisty, <laughs> and you don't know where that is. He's very chatty. He's chatty. He's very stranger danger. He's Even complimenting <laughs> what I thought was a young. I think it's a child in the picture. Uh, but in at my child's mind, it's me. He's yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm complimenting. So you, oh, I like your, I like your dress. <laughs> I like your little shoe. I like your legs. To me, it was kind of a, it kind of went to a really creepy place really quickly. It's really creepy. I think it is quite creepy. I don't think that's yeah. just me, is it? No, absolutely no. Wow. I, I mean, I, I'd never come across it, and I was like, is this something that Vicky's mum <laughs> has invented in her head because she's drawn a picture of an actual monster? I <laughs> know. The worst. I googled it. And I found, oh, found the so many versions of this. Hey. This, I think, is the creepiest one. This is on YouTube. Oh, and yeah. This is a <gasps> programme for preteens. Or not preteens. This is a programme for preschoolers, like yeah. nursery children. I'm just going to play it a little bit. Ooh. 
Uh, try again. Yeah, it's a girl. Yeah, a little girl and an old man with a big curly and tash. An and man. it's such childlike, cartoony, cheap CGI. Oh, entirely for your little children weird. to enjoy and love. Yeah, and so little girls, listen to old men. Listen um, to old men who stop you and compliment you. Yeah, and give them a... And grin. And yeah. give them a little smile. That's it. I began to grin. Be compliant. Be compliant. <laughs> be happy. Just just be basically pre- predator heaven. <laughs> I mean, come off it. That's, I think, you know, and at that time we were sort of all watching Jimmy Savile very cheerfully (laughs) on the television. I mean, it's just, you sort of do think, God, what was going on? I mean, I think that poem's a really old poem, isn't it? I don't know when it was first written, but. I did a little bit of research and then I got frightened and stopped, yeah, which no, has happened quite a lot on really? this, where I just really? started digging around and it, it it seems to go back one stage to being a poem from the mid-17th uh, century that was actually about a wedding between a... Uh, uh, some uh, like hay wain or something. The reason he's wearing only leather because he's on his way to like cut some hay or so. Right, I don't know. Okay. I, I sort of <laughs> was reading with one eye open, squinting. Wow. But it's about a sort of literally a maid, a maiden, and and her dad uh. gives a dowry and they end up getting married at the end of it. Yeah. So it's really old fashioned. But yeah. yeah, she's not a tiny child no. as we think of it when yeah, we're talking about yeah. it. So it's like. Well, so it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, th- yeah. I think as a child you think when, when it says he and I. The mm. I becomes you, doesn't it? Of course, it? yeah. And so that, for a child to have that read to them is, I think, a bit suspect, frankly. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, obviously my mum had no idea, yeah. I don't suppose, <laughs> that that's what I was feeling about it. Clearly we weren't a family that were good at talking about those sort of things. Yeah. Um, as nobody was, I don't think, in the, in the 60s and 70s. No. It was kind of like, yeah, you didn't, it wasn't fashionable or it wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't a thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the horrifying thing is it was a thing that was going on, yeah. but no, no one, one talked, talked about talk, it. Exactly. Yeah, that. yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it, it's what's weird about all the, all those fairy tales and stuff like that that we just pass on and pass on and pass yeah. on. I think. Did yeah. you when you, when you, when your kids were little, did you worry about reading them? You know, the, the horrible old versions of stuff. Or well, the I didn't. Versions of I didn't stuff? really oh, read them old stuff. I mean, I, I I don't. I didn't consciously do it, but thinking about it, I didn't really. I mean, I think somebody gave us some um, Oscar Wilde poems or something, oh, wow. and, and we looked at those. I mean, they were both boys, so in a funny way, maybe if it had been a girl, I would have been far more rigorous and vigilant because mm. I think that the, the fairy stories that girls are read are so deeply damaging potentially that I would have been you know quite yeah. policey of it yes. I remember one of my friends had a girl and she was the fashion police so she would allow <laughs> one pink dress <laughs> every four years or something but you know I mean and actually that kind of paid off because her daughters are just fantastic now and brilliant independent minded young women and didn't go through the whole thing that a lot of girls get pushed through I think yeah um, Old men in leather. By yeah. old men in leather. <laughs> yeah. There they are. There they but yeah, are. Yeah, the whole waiting to be rescued thing. Yeah. It is, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. the original Little Mermaid story, which is actually really oh, yeah. awesome, but yeah. it, it's sort of horrifying. Like she's walking on blades on her feet and oh. stuff like that. Really yeah, cool yeah, yeah, stories, yeah. but yeah, not, yeah, for, not for children. Grim, in fact, they is the word, isn't it? Grim as hell. And there were all sorts of allegories grim. for, you know, don't trust old women because they're crying. They were all sort of like meant to help you through life. Uh, um, don't trust the, old women. That's really 
be interesting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's people going, don't let women help other women give yeah, birth. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, yeah. the sort of old school midwives, and they all got burnt as witches. Yeah, <laughs> so know, you were on a medical edition of Pointless. Yes, I was. I'm so jealous oh, of anyone that's ever joyous. been on Pointless. It and, was uh, joyous. I mean, I it was called it Pointless night. Celebrities, yeah. which is obviously, you know, quite funny in itself. But, um, yeah, no, I... Um, I really enjoyed that. I was on with Ricky Grover, yeah. who played Hillary, the modern matron in Getting On, yeah, um, and um, who is fantastic, mm. but who did say to me beforehand, I don't know anything at all, mm. uh, so you're going to have to answer all the questions. So that was quite scary, uh, but because he's very self-deprecating. He's hilarious, Ricky. I mm. adore him. But anyway, so, um, yeah, that was super fun. But And I got to meet... Um, yeah, people off Holby and Casualty, I think, were also on. And then those brilliant, the people who actually won were the TV proper real doctors. Right. Raj. <laughs> Dr. Raj. Dr. Raj. Everyone, all the, bit of something for the mums oh, on CBeebies. What he's a gorgeous. lovely, lovely, lovely man that is. <laughs> that is just a delightful person right there. Um, and I think Dr. Hillary or whatever it is. Oh, yes. But also charming. But anyway, so... Um, Silver Fox. Yeah, that was mm. fun. That yeah, was fun. Cool. When you do stuff like that, do you get do you get nervous about... Have you done... You've done I've found some weird clips of you on... I, I've gone a bit deep on stalking you. I'm sorry, oh, but I, lo- I love watching things like when you're on Sunday brunch or yes. Saturday Kitchen is one of those. Yeah, isn't Sunday it? brunch. Are you nervous about that kind Oliver of stuff? To Morris Dance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always get nervous, but I always slightly, weirdly, slightly enjoy them. Um, and I have got a slight mad rule, which is again related back to the fear. Mm. Um, not not my fear, but you're fear so in, good at dragging this back on track. I'm, I'm keeping it on on, <laughs> on topic. No, but I think it is. I think that, that, that this happens a lot. Is that. Uh, it's it's very easy to say no to requests like that because you think, oh, God, it'll be too terrifying. And then I slightly have this thing where I have to make myself say yes because I watch shows, I watch panel shows, I watch, um, you know, things like Sunday Brunch. You, you know, you watch them and you think, oh, they're... I mean, actually not, they're very good on that one, but mm. a lot of shows where you don't see enough women and you sort of think, wait a minute, why aren't there any women on this? And then if you're a woman and you're asked and you want to say no... You really can't if you're me because That's... you kind of go, oh, wait a minute, I, I'm turning down something that I would want to watch myself, so I have to do it. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, you 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 address your fear by going like, I, it's not about me. No, it's about it's, someone else. It's a sort of that's responsibility. Exactly how I deal with stuff. It's, yeah. I've got to yeah. step up because um, even if I make an absolute idiot of myself, at least I've said yes, and then I don't know. Maybe it's less scary for someone else doing it. My mate bought a toaster. We go through celebrities' Amazon purchase histories so you don't have to. Keep calm and love Dom Jolly novelty keyring yeah, and fridge that. magnets. Yeah, I love that. The G-spot. The good vibrations, guys. Green dot laser sight rifle gun scope. I've bought that quite a lot of times, I think. Right, okay. The sex doctor's guide to keeping it hot. Ah, oh, interesting. Did another child come along nine months later? Yeah. <laughs> Loads of great apps up now and new ones dropping every Monday. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster from Great Big Al. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So, could we might move on to your film and TV choice. Yeah. You said that your uh, a, a film that you saw when you were a teenager is uh, and the thing that uh, has stayed with you clearly. And again, I'm coming back to uh, bodies. Bodies, yeah. Is the and midwives and midwives. Yes. Well, well let's get on to it. It's the creature bursting out of John Hurt in Alien. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Tell me when. Well, I went to see it with. um, I mean, I'm just trying to work out because I can't remember years, but I Mm. I wasn't uh, yet twenty, I believe. Mm -hmm. I can't have been actually. And um, and I went to see it with this great friend of mine, and I just could barely watch any of the movie. I think again, part of that was about identifying, and in a brilliant way at this moment in time, identifying with Sigourney Weaver's Mm. kind of lead brilliant lead Mm. role in that movie and that being quite a a new thing actually but therefore feeling more engaged perhaps than the other movies I might have seen where it's the man and although we're all very used to watching the man and kind of going yeah I can feel like that man when it actually is a woman there's something different a kind of different transaction that happens I think as a female watching it and um and so I was much more in that movie probably than I might have been in in another sci-fi scary movie yeah for a start off and then in that moment that to me was a sort of horrific combination of lots of things I was frightened of Mm. Um, which were probably around uh, thinking about it, you know, this idea of a being coming from another being and the fear of birth or, you know, the fear of producing or the responsibility of that in some shape or form, but also just the super scary uh, moment, the the brilliant music, the way it's all Mm. builds to this explosive moment where this, what now when we watch it looks like a sort sort of funny little glove puppet, but at the time was super at the forefront of technology in terms of how they filmed it mm. and what they did and how they made it work um, and the tricks they used to make that happen. But Well, it's a lovely combination of, of um, uh, modern uh, techniques but also really ancient ones like he's just underneath the table with his head poking through a hole <laughs> and they build a fake body around yeah. it, which is you know, the oldest yeah. trick in the book, like yeah. the magician's trick. Yeah. And they packed... They didn't tell anyone they were going. What was going to happen? It just says in the script a thing emerges from him. Oh my him. gosh! So no one knew what was oh going to come. Gosh. All the actors were gathered. All the actors were sort of just told to sort of 
you know, react how they wanted to react to get yeah. the proper scary look on their yeah. face, which they obviously do. Oh. And he's lying, so he's underneath the table. He's they've got a sort of scarecrow body on the thing, and then they packed him with genuinely like old bits of meat, oh. like awful, yeah, real awful, so that yeah. the smell was right, that Brilliant. everything was because it was the only way they could get it to look as real as they did. Is yeah. that just by how do you make something look like guts? Yeah, guts, put guts in, <laughs> put guts in. Wow. And, and yeah, so every, everyone's facial expression is just like they're sort of disgusted oh. by the smell. They're in. I mean, wow. are you allowed to do? that to actors now I don't, I don't know. know probably not has anyone ever put you through that sort of thing um, imagine Julie Davis doesn't <laughs> well not fish guts, fish guts I'm trying to think I don't think anything but they do like to spring things on actors don't they sometimes yeah although I haven't Geniuses. really heard. I think they tend to sort of explain everything yeah. uh, and be very 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 respectful actually now and say what right. I'm going to do next is I'm going to put this on your face and I'm going to do this oh, <laughs> I'm going to sit on your face <laughs> no, there, there is sort of, I don't know if there are maybe new rules that uh, you have to abide yeah. by um, so I, I suspect you wouldn't necessarily be able to do that now but mm. you probably could in some indie movie and everyone would be like yeah that was really cool because they didn't yeah. tell us but I don't know I don't well know. it's it's the, the more we find out about how films get made the more it's really hard to watch sort of basically anything yeah, yeah like yeah. the whole um, Last Tango in Paris thing where she was no, know, genuinely, well, according to her, genuinely, and, and I have every right, why the, why, yeah, I mean, she was genuinely assaulted <sighs> yeah, because yeah, apparently yeah. you couldn't fake, Yes, you, should, you couldn't trust her to act no, like no, everyone else not. in the room. No, she no. had to be assaulted for yeah. you to get that Horrific. moment of, I mean, it's different. This is, just sounds like what, what a fun day on set. Someone says something scary yeah. is going to happen to you yeah, and you're going to yeah, get yeah, frightened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It is interesting, though. But yes, I mean, that was, that was, I think, the most terrifying moment in my sort of cinema-going history. Having said that, I've very studiously avoided going to horror movies for the most part, mm. and um, I'm, I'm very feeble in watching these See, that fascinates me, because obviously, I, you know, going back to all the dark places that you go to a lot in your performances and the work you choose to be in and the, yeah. your characters yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. you seem quite fearless to me. I know, but it's funny, isn't it? I think it's more trying to be, trying to push myself to do... The, as, mu as much as I can but also mm. a bit of self-protection because I know that I'll retain images so if I go and see too many mm. horror movies I'll retain that image really in my brain for a long long time mm. and then it'll come in the night and I won't be able to sleep <laughs> sad that, I mean, sad but true yeah I, mean, I love I loved quite how I mean I guess do you, do you ever with playing sort of some of the characters you play I mean what, how would you describe the sort of characters that you is there a word you use well because I think the characters play very different but they're all in their own there way there is a sort of dark theme, and broken. theme isn't it yeah I mean I think I don't know I think what happens sometimes is when you see things with uh, women over maybe even just 45 or even mm. 40 or something, that usually... I remember a friend of mine who's an actress saying to me, I'm just really sick of being offered parts where somebody shouts at my character, you mad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fun police. And I thought, oh, yeah, no, that's really interesting. But I think what mm. happens with me is that I get drawn to parts that are about people who you could sort of on the surface say, you mad bitch, mm. but underneath it have a world of reasons why you might be a mad bitch that go right back to kind of maybe back to what we were talking about mm. about you know little girls fairy tales and mm. what we're all made to think we should be and how disappointing potentially it might be when you're not the princess with the long blonde hair or whatever it is <laughs> mm. that you know yeah um I, I don't know but I think that I I really find it fascinating to, to look underneath characters and go what's happening below that yeah uh, surface and I always want to find something that it's about vulnerability and uh, human truth, as opposed. This sounds very pretentious, so apologies. But you know, so that people, so that people watching won't just go, "Look, there's another mad bitch." 
Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think there's there's a... I, I think you clearly have so much fun playing the kind of characters you play, yeah. but I also think there's so many... There's huge differences between uh, Pippa and Getting On and um, I forgot the name of the character playing Camping. Sorry. Fiona. Fiona, Fiona thank you. Yes, um, but be- there are similarities for there, sure. There are similarities. Though. They're very blunt. They say things that are, you know... Yeah, but, yeah, but I think yeah. Pippa is sort of... She just has no humour. No, That's her she biggest trait. Yeah, she's yeah. she's absolutely laser focused on this thing. She doesn't understand why poo's funny. She no. doesn't understand why vaginas are funny. No, no, or no, getting your not. teeth into my um, atrophied vagina. Yeah. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Doesn't get it. No, yeah. no, no, no. That, yeah. And that's the beauty of that um, playing that sort of character is that you. You know, you say, get to say really, again, a bit of a theme possibly, mm-hmm. but you get to say quite outrageous things, but yeah. you, you're, al- you're allowed to because it's a world where those things are allowed to be said. Yes. Um, so getting back to the sort of um, uh, the alien yes. theme, because I was yes. sorry, I wanted to come back to what you said earlier about how uh, to do with sort of the fear of birth and things coming out of your bodies, which is so palpable in the alien, yeah. possibly because of the female lead. Uh, but obviously th- these things don't happen to anyone. Ripley never experiences these things not until no, the true. sequels. But yes, the, yes. Um, the fact that it's, it's sort of men, men's fear of having something Maybe. invade them yeah, and leave yeah. their bodies, isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. I do think it's a sort of absolutely brilliant uh, moment in cinematic history. It sort of was, I don't know, I mean, there must have been things bursting out of people before that, but there was something so incredible about that moment and so unexpected. Mm. I sort of thought it was brilliant and weirdly, looking back on it, sort of weirdly beautiful, mm. but now... Uh, that's with very much hindsight. And at the time, I was just absolutely oh my goodness. freaked. I kind of jumped out of my seat. <laughs> sort of brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, God, it's amazing. Yeah. What's interesting about the character of Ripley as well is it was written for a man, and then it was a very last-minute thing. Well, God, to, I mean, isn't yeah. that so interesting? Because yeah. I think there is a new thing. I, th- I read somebody saying, oh, you know, actually, uh, they... Maybe it was that woman in The Bridge who said she just played the part as a man or something. Mm. Was it her who said she'd based her performance Very on John possibly. Wayne or something? Oh, no, that was, was, um, was that? Uh, Raised by Wolves, uh, Rebecca Staten. Oh, was that her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. But she's also oh, quite like, yeah. yeah, Rebecca Staten said she played, um, yeah, the, the, the mum character Great. in, in uh, The Brilliant Raised by Wolves as, uh, yeah, she's, she was channeling John Wayne. But I've seen that, ha- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that that's choice. a thing. And actually, I think more and more, I, I, I think that we could reimagine stories because I think for a lot of people, it's very hard because a lot of the childhood stories are... Uh, were historically mm. about boys doing things and mm. it was a sort of oh it's it's boys but it's everybody yeah and all the girls had to go oh it's a boy but it's me as well yeah I'm the, I'm the boy uh, but I'm not the boy so it's very hard for me to feel at the center of a story mm. and I think when people are writing quite often their default setting is it's a man at the center of the story and we all want to kind of see the man's story because that feels mm. more exciting or I don't know it's what we're used to or something but I think this idea of which I think people like Gina Davis and you know all those brilliant uh Hollywood actresses who've stood up and gone, you know, things need to be different, mm. have started to say, you know, you could just put a woman in that same role, mm. and uh, and and it would be a great story. It's still yeah. a great story. Yeah, and it's and the the sort of the idea that you do a straight gender swap and suddenly women are swashbuckling and sassy and have no vulnerabilities and stuff is sort of the other way things are going. Yeah, and actually, yeah. what you can do with a female character is do something a bit more interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe real. You maybe, know, maybe real. Where we're all we are swashbuckling, but we're yeah. also fighting demons and kind yeah, of our own demons, our own demons <laughs> and our own insecurities and our own fears and kind of you know having to 
really push ourselves to kind of be the center and and it's a it's a, an uncomfortable place to push yourself to i think mm. as well well i think that's, that's again going back to joan and jerica it's the idea of finding ways to talk about stuff without uh, by through the through the characters mm. and uh, rather than sort of doing a straight to camera here's a big feeling here's I'm my, having or here's, here's, my, here's my experience yeah I mean I think the interesting thing is with something like well with Joan and Jericho mm. in particular there was never an agenda to set out to do that thing yeah and I think if you set out to do that thing you might not have so much joy in achieving it mm-hmm. but if I think if you st- if you set out to do your thing yeah uh, whoever you are and whatever you're doing uh, particularly for women that then uh, you kind of can't go wrong yeah maybe Uh, well, let's talk about a fear you live with now, because I think it's, it's sort of folded into what we've been talking yeah, about yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, which is, you said uh, medical testing, but generally any medical stuff, GPs, hospitals, and any ambulances going. Uh, so odd that I wrote three series of Getting On with mm-hmm. Joe Brand and John Scanlon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. This is a re- this is still a recent thing, even after all that catharsis of writing that amazing oh, yeah, no, show. For sure. No, I mean, I I have a massive. Um, world of anxiety around doctors any any doctors actually if I have to go sometimes when you do a TV thing you have to go for a med for a medical wow. and all they do is take they take your blood pressure I mean it's very oh. sort of I don't know sort of for insurance stuff I oh, think yeah. they they kind of ask you when you last did your health latest health checkup and they take your blood pressure and they ask you a few questions and usually mm-hmm. that's it unless you've got something particular that you've got to kind of tell them about but on the whole it's pretty straightforward and very brief but every time I have to go for one of those I have sort of palpitations basically really? and as they approach me with the blood pressure and I've I don't think I've ever had high blood pressure because mm. I think I've actually got quite low blood pressure so when I go to have my blood pressure checked it ramps up <laughs> and actually <laughs> normalizes my heart slightly speeding up telling you about it oh, I'm so sorry so as they approach I'm so sorry I'm going to need a gin and tonic I mean, as they approach with the kind of puffy thing that they put on your arm yeah. I start to feel anxious oh. and I don't know quite I mean I've got some theories but yeah. I sort of feel like it's inevitable. There's an inevitability in my mind that when they look, they will find something wow. wrong. There is wow. something wrong inside me that they will find. And that it's just a question of time before that happens. Now, of course, the reality is that that's true, that as you get older and then you yeah. get ill and then you die, that's something that I think I've really struggled to accommodate. And I think in recent years, maybe I hope I'm moving a bit more to this kind of understanding that... I am not immortal mm. and that I will become ill and I will die. But even now, saying that, I think, yeah, but I still don't want to go through any medical testing. Because <laughs> it's too scary. Oh, that's a lot. Mm. Oh, my mm. goodness. It's, um, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot, I think a lot of people share yes. the basis of this anxiety, of course, because it's a human anxiety. Yes. But I'm not sure everyone shares this certainty that, you know, it's only a question of pricking the surface and you'll find... Some terrible thing. Well, it's in order to do your job, you have to go through this as well. So there's no choice in there. Yeah. Uh, In order to do your job, you have to put yourself through this quite invasive thing. I think you do. You have to sort of poke around, for want of a better description, and dig about for things and haul them out. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I think that the writing is really a saviour in many ways because... Mm. 
instead of having to sit with it and process it or, you know, go to other people to try and process it, mm. you, um, which I have done in the past, actually, mm. but which I don't do currently, but where, where you can go, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to sit with this in within me all the time because I can put it out onto my piece of paper and then it lives alongside me instead of inside me, which is actually incredibly helpful. That's And I think for anybody going through any difficult process, just writing things down, even if you're not a writer, Mm. Or you might become a writer by doing it. Yeah. That actually it frees up. It's something about the mechanics of letting it out that is helpful. That's fantastic. It can be. And it sounds ridiculously pretentious again, but it can mm. be a painful process. And but actually, once it's once it's done, it's done. You know, once you've got that bit out, you've got that bit out. And that's not to say there's not another bit backing it up and waiting to sort of stalk mm. you in the night. But at the same time, I think it let it like it lets out the pressure a bit. God, that's really interesting. Mm. And and do you find it hard to get starting writing? Like, do you do, do you do you feel under pressure to a write funny things, which I'm you know is your is your yeah, is your, yeah, your yeah. is your chosen um, genre? Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you do you find it hard to sort of get started and think of? I tend to areas? start. I tend to have an idea and then. I tend to talk it over a little bit with people oh, and okay. sometimes do a bit of improvising with people and mm. sort of just trying to un unlock some of the more, uh, to, you know, where it can expand to. Mm. But the sitting down and doing it, I find really, I, I, at times I find really hard. Mm. Again, I mean, going back to what I said at the beginning, if you can go away and be outside your usual mm. world, I think it's easier. Yeah. And um, I've been quite fascinated recently by uh, conversations I've been having with lots of um, male comedy writers' friends. Uh -huh. And we're all sort of seethingly jealous of uh, photos that we've come across of um, Monty Python all going off to um, uh, Jamaica to yeah. go and write Life of Brian together. And yeah. we've, we're finding all these photos of like men in shorts and cigarettes oh. and pipes yeah, 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 on yeah. their typewriters and, and just, and you know, how Douglas Adams would go off and write hitchhikers yeah. in, a, in like Corfu or something. Yeah. yeah. And I just said, oh, God, I love that. Are we allowed to do that? I think we are. I mean, I think it's, expen <laughs> I, it's I expensive. Your... You've got to get someone to pay yeah. for you to do it. But mm. um, if you're lucky enough to have that uh, mm. access, then absolutely. Mm. And I think that's the other thing about, I mean, I, you know, uh, you know, as a woman, you kind of, there's a, there's a bit of you that thinks, I can't leave my child. And mm. that's a really, really strong one. Yeah. And I think that that's a really difficult one for women because I also completely understand that. Mm. And I now my children are so much older, I sort of feel like they can't get rid, wait to get rid of me. And actually, <laughs> I think that, you know, they, they, I literally sometimes say to them, do you mind if I go? And they go, I don't, I don't really care, Mum. In the nicest possible way. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredibly freeing. Yeah. yeah. I realised the other day... Um, that I haven't read a room of one's own because oh. I've had time. Oh, but great. when you were saying well, that, that's quite good. I think, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally don't have time to read the book about how women need to find time and space know, to, to go and create. Oh and no, be definitely, artists. definitely have a read. I think it's well worth it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it is a thing, isn't it? The, yeah. the pram in the hall the being the, the you know, the kind of. This is a great kick up the arse. The pram in the hallway because you suddenly. You I think there is a level of that. You you suddenly get a bit superhuman about time management. Well, you get bloody focused. Yeah, <laughs> you're like I've got an hour now whilst that little thing's asleep. Yeah, and uh, you know, please don't wake up before that hour. But uh, my God, I'm going to use that hour. Amazing. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I want to 
talk about sure. oh, oh actually yes yeah, sorry to go back because you're talking about how you like to improvise um, when you're coming up with new ideas and stuff like that yeah. um, and I read an interview um, to correct me if the interview uh, uh-huh. was that the, you went to drama school quite late like, yeah like, I did 27 yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, that really interests me can you tell me a bit more oh uh, well that was really um, again I mean it sounds like I'm trying to fold everything into your podcast time, <laughs> honestly truly everything links back everything to being scared all the time it does, it does. does you know so I at school mm-hmm. I was very drawn to being to doing dramery kind of mm-hmm. stuff and um I was quite musical um but I but I didn't know that anybody could be on the television I thought mm. that the television reserve was reserved for a very particular species of being because right. at that time there wasn't the sort of mm. there wasn't big brother there wasn't you know there, were, there was nobody who wasn't a kind of other sort of being yeah. that was on the telly if you sort of mean yeah so um so everybody was special basically is what I'm saying uh who got onto the telly and I knew I wasn't special I was from you know my mum and dad worked in the health service you know we were a kind of a pretty ordinary family in many ways me and my sister you know we we went to university but we were I think the first in our family to go to university in our broad family Um, and uh, and so it was something that never felt like it was something I could do. Mm. And then when I was at university, I went to UEA and did history of art. Mm. And because I was always very interested in in paintings and you know visual stuff as well. Um, and and there I was fortunate enough to have two lecturers, one of whom was a Marxist and the other of whom was a Marxist feminist. <laughs> and through their kind of uh, you know, wh- why don't you read this book about how we look at things and why don't you look at this paper about how we view the female gaze and the male gaze and, you know, all of those mm. sort of things that began to open some doors for me and make me understand, oh, that's why I never got asked to dance at discos. <laughs> you know, I, the, I, now I get it now. I sort of, yeah, I should have, I sh- you know, I understand now why the Misty Moisty Morning poem was I should have taken on board and really sort of done those things and grinned a bit more instead of standing in the corner thinking nobody fancies me and I'm, I must be ugly. You know, there was a kind of weird, a weird yeah. misprocess, I think, that happened to me as a as a girl, which I'm very happy about, mm. um, but which led to this kind of di- dif- being feeling a bit different. Anyway, went to u- university, did some kind of cabaret type stuff, but again, really didn't think a person like me could possibly, mm. possibly be an actor. And then I did various jobs and was quite unhappy doing those jobs. And then I got to the end of one particular job and I thought, well, actually, interestingly, it was about, it, it was around the time I was also, I was dumped by boyfriend mm. and I thought god I've got to get out of London uh, or not out of London but I've got to get out of my rut yeah I've got to get out mm-hmm. and so I went to East 15 drama school because Alison Steadman was my Fantastic. hero and back I, to the rainforest machete May. yeah oh, absolutely what yeah. a genius one but Abigail's party yeah you know totally trailblazing oh type brilliant brilliant woman and she was really the reason I selected East 15 and they accepted me onto a one-year postgrad course. Yeah. And, and then that was that, really. And then when I came out of East 15, I looked at parts uh, and I wasn't any of those parts. Either I wasn't the young ingenue, I was actually mm. too old already. Right. Uh, plus, I'd never been like that anyway and never fitted those roles. And then there was the sort of leap and then there was the horrid mother-in-law. And there wasn't much <laughs> in between, actually. Yeah. And I so I was sort of forced into writing yeah. because... 
there, there was there weren't really that many jobs for me. I mean, I did. I played I played some prostitutes. Don't get me wrong, and some maids actually. So you know, it was it was a quite a glittering start. Um, but Which one's more fun to play, a prostitute or a maid? Oh, I think a prostitute. Yeah, sure, you'd think yeah, so. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was in the Thrupney Opera, so and that's quite good. So it was quite fun. But you know, um, yeah, I uh, I, I did think. I'm, I'm, I can't see the parts for me, so I'm going to mm. have to make my own work, really. That's fantastic. And then with the comedy side of things, I mean, I did find... Occasionally now I get serious parts, but it's very rare. And I think for the most part, if I read a script out loud, I accidentally make it funny. Mm. So even if it's a really deep, deep drama, I sort of... I don't know, something happens where I... I don't know why... Mm that happens but it sort of just does well, yeah. and and some dramas now they allow that in so it's not such a terrible thing but I think you know maybe 10 or 20 years ago if you were funny in a drama that was absolutely unacceptable yeah the lines got very blurred recently. yeah it's got quite blurred yeah, I, like, I like that yeah no it's good There's, I mean I think you know I'm thinking about getting on in particular it's like nothing your, your character would never ever crack a joke your character's no, never said anything intentionally couldn't. funny in a yeah, whole life yeah. so you have to play that yeah, yeah. incredibly yeah, straight yeah, incredibly yeah, exactly. drama and I think straight can be the funniest thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think absolutely. That's, that's of, often the case. And, you know, gags, I think writing gags is a big skill and some people have it. I don't know whether I have it or not really, but I think it's something you have to really work at. And I think, again, maybe men are more encouraged to write gags, gags yeah. than women. I don't know. You know, people always say, oh, gag jokes are really hard. And I think they're not. Um, What's really hard is having the bravery, uh, the bravery to worry. not have the joke there and have the moment breathe. Well, and so then, we love jokes, you know, jokes, I mean, jokes are great, great. <laughs> and we yeah. love to laugh. Yeah. And I think laughing again in that is another kind of fantastic, mm. fantastic sort of freeing thing to be able to do. Yeah. I'm going to just, just circle back to this because sure. I, I, I meant to talk to you about um, yeah. when we were talking about alien and oh, yeah. bodies and all that kind of uh, would, you, would you say you're, you know, we're talking about sort of relationship with our bodies and stuff and obviously the, the stuff you write has lots of yeah. physical <laughs> bodily, bodily yeah. stuff do you think yeah. your relationship with your body has changed over over the years over well the I was years. thinking about that yeah. I was walking here funnily enough mm. I was thinking about how did it come about I, mm. I was thinking about exactly that on the way here because obviously mm. I was very conscious that the material I'd sent to you all mm. comes back as you've rightly sort of yeah. pointed out to this kind of uh, potential body phobia almost yeah. this kind of fear of what I'm living in mm. and um, and I think as I said at the beginning that's born of this it's born of the dangers I've seen uh, you know visceral dangers of mm. people being ill and dying that I saw at quite an early yeah. age although you know not you know I'm not saying I was on, in a war zone and obviously that's you know I'm not saying poor me I'm just saying that may have well, contributed I'd say to you it definitely saw more dying children than many most probably, children ever see probably true yeah. well I had hope yeah, yeah exactly but, um, but you know, but actually thinking about my relationship mm. to my body and mm. the, and and the sort of, I was talking to somebody recently where they said, you know, they just got their period and they were really shocked by it. And she said, I realised that every month I get my period, I'm shocked. Mm. And I thought that's interesting because I think that's how I felt. Was every time I saw blood, I felt a sense of shock. That it never was like, oh yeah, it's my period. Right. It was sort of like, oh. And I yeah. don't know what, where that quite comes from, but I think again, it might be about my family's lack of kind of. You know, it's all okay and cool to mm. bleed. <laughs> <Every> <laughs> month, you know, it's actually a bit repressed, and it's a bit like, oh, don't, 
don't let your father see that you've got a tampon in your bag or, you know, yeah. and, and a bit of an element of that, really. Yeah. I mean, and him being a very, very private, very shy mm. man and him being sort of slightly, I think, slightly freaked by female body stuff, if I'm really honest. That's really interesting um, for a doctor, yeah. For he a wasn't surgery. a doctor, Sorry, actually. He worked, he, in, he worked yeah. in the yeah. NHS. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, you know, he was, he, he was an absolutely darling person and a big lovely 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 man but I think he had a lot of anxieties around body and actually and here's another bit of all of this which I should have probably said right at the beginning which only just occurred to me was that he had lost a leg in the second world war so again here was this proof that things get bodies get broken yeah with this man with one leg and um his sort of his hiding of that to a great extent, he was shy of it. He didn't ever go publicly swimming or he was always a bit sort of nervous about displaying that leg. He he should have been really proud because he was kind of quite heroic mm. in his loss of his leg and yes, he had a medal. And But I think I think that seeing that meant to me bodies get broken and they don't get mm. mended. And so that's a big aspect of, of it, I think. But also the female aspect of, yes, the, of the reproductive process and that. I, I'm not entirely sure, really, but I think it's born of... It is born of fear of what that body is, mm-hmm. and uh, and not having a uh, a sense of fitting that body to a certain extent, yes. not feeling immensely female mm. in the way that I think I felt I was meant to feel, and mm. so it being a bit alien, yeah, um, <laughs> just drawing it all together. Um, but also thinking about the menopause which I've now been through, and thinking, God, it's so weird now to not bleed every month, yeah, and thinking how. God, women go on this extraordinary journey in their lives where they Mm. begin with, they have all their little eggs, but nobody knows. (laughs) And then they start to bleed and they kind of, hopefully there's a celebratory aspect to it, which I know that some people find uh, great, but, you know, certainly in my era, it was Mm. sort of like a bit shameful and and embarrassing and and nobody talked about it. And then you had people like Joe Brown making jokes about periods Mm. and then it was okay, okay to talk about periods and then, you know, and then hope and then go on to, be reproductive and have my two beautiful boys and how you know deeply grateful I am to have them and and I'm just so happy that that happened for me because I sort of I think kind of felt I wouldn't be a mother for some strange reason but anyway um, and then now to have come through the other side and be non-fertile but to be enjoying a new sense of um, creativity that's totally about me and not about making other life which Mm. I'm finding very good fun (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and your body is freeing. yours. And now yeah. I don't... I'm, and now, you know, somebody said the other day, have you got a tampon? <laughs> I thought, no, I haven't got a tampon. I haven't got one anywhere. I mean, maybe I should carry them for my, for my, <laughs> for my, female, my female beings. But I thought, God, no, I don't have a tampon. I don't own any tampons. <laughs> oh, my God. I may never own another tampon. It's so funny. I mean, I'm going to... I am... I, um, uh, I, 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 I have a confession... I never really went through the whole period thing. I went on the pill very... I started oh. my periods when I was 15. I went on the pill when I was 16. Wow. Um, I had periods, but, yeah, they, but were, they were... it was the you pill. Knew. And it wasn't a big deal. And then I had a kid. And you knew when it would come. And I knew exactly when it would come. Yeah. And I knew... Well, now we know, because uh, because apparently you didn't have to take that break at all. They just put that in for uh, God-fearing reasons, uh. so that we all knew and felt shame and dirty. Oh, I mean, yeah, apparently wow. it all came down from wow. the Pope. Isn't no that terrible? Way, now, no kids way. just run on the packet. And Seriously, and don't bleed. And don't bleed at all, because you don't have to. But it what was about literally- that song? 
<laughs> oh, there's a song. <laughs> Only women bleed. <laughs> well, exactly. I've now, I had a coil after I had a baby and I haven't had one since. Mate. I don't have blood free. I am. Cause is free. This, I've missed this vital part of womanhood. <sighs> you're, not a, you're not a real woman. I'm not a real woman. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, but me and my trans sisters. We're like, we've got. <laughs> that's fascinating to me. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we don't have to bleed. And that in itself yeah. is incredible. Well, there's well, all I'm, the, I'm amazed. All our kids, they probably won't ever have to. And isn't that like as if? But we sort of, it's like you know, what if you don't go through it, then you're not a proper lady. Oh, that's so interesting. Isn't that interesting. Yeah, they yeah. they're gonna have. I mean, they have a choice to, and yeah. obviously some women can't take things and can't have coils and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it's, of I think there's just this whole thing. It's like, oh, it turns out that wasn't the thing that defined us. Wow, our bodies that's and our cramps. That's uh, was our, uh, uh, our, there's much more to us than that. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Wow. God. Well, on that bombshell. <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> I'm going to have to leave that in now. Oh, God. Oh, no. 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 Oh, no